2: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, welcome to the show. I am not yet in Brighton. I will soon be heading to Brighton For Labour Party conference, lucky old me. Have to say, I've been going to Labour Party conference under every leader since Tony Blair. And I'm just going to be honest with you, always good to be honest, I think, with everyone listening and watching. Uh, I have never dreaded going to a Labour Party conference as much as this. Might as well just be honest, be upfront about it. Now, a year and a half ago, Keir Starmer was overwhelmingly elected leader of the Labour Party on a very, very clear mandate. And that mandate was, and I'm putting it in the terms of his own campaign and his own words, party unity electability, retaining the radical domestic policies of the Corbyn era, which was enshrined in 10 pledges, as they became known, professionalism, integrity, that was written all over his, uh, all over his leaflets. On every count, his leadership has been a catastrophic failure. As things stand, the, labor- the Tories are waging war, on communities across the country. We have a cut to universal credit, which will plunge many people in this country, including children, into poverty. There is an energy crisis. Our supermarket shelves are emptying. This is a country in a very, very serious situation, thanks to a government which has presided, let's not forget, over one of the worst handlings of COVID-19 on the face of the earth, in which 150,000 of our fellow citizens have died. And we've gone through a huge economic, social trauma, as well as, of course, a public health emergency caused by the government's failure to deal with the pandemic in a way that could have saved lives and protected all of us from the misery that so many have gone through. And yet this conference, Labour's big chance, Keir Starmer's big chance, he is, according to the polls, less popular than Boris Johnson. His ratings are worse than Boris Johnson. According to the polling, less than a third of Labour's own voters think he's doing a good job. And more than six in 10 of all voters do not think he is a prime minister in waiting. This conference, his big chance to speak to the nation and offer them a second look, to offer a new coherent vision of what Labour stands for. And instead, we now have a civil war in the Labour Party caused by the Labour leadership's decision to try and stitch up the leadership rules originally to end one member one vote, in which all members of the Labour Party have an and trade union members who are affiliated have an equal say in deciding who is leader of their party in a democratic system. They tried to move that back to an electoral college system in which MPs votes cost uh, MPs votes have far more worth have far more weight than trade union members. And party members. They've been defeated on that because of the outrage. But instead, what they're now doing is proposing raising the threshold that any leadership candidate has to get to 25%. Under that system, in the last few years, virtually No, the vast majority of leadership candidates would not have got on the ballot paper. Keir Starmer would have been the only person to get on the ballot paper. Uh, We'd have a coronation instead of a leadership election, which would have ushered in his hugely successful time as Labour leader. Um, uh, Women, there would have been one woman who got on the ballot paper in the last 10 years. No people of colour would have got on the ballot paper. Uh, In practice, this will mean about two leadership candidates eligible to stand, uh, suppressing choice for members to democratically decide who is in charge. Ditching registered supporters. The whole point of that was to bring people in from the community to get them involved to support a as big a democratic exercise as possible. That's getting scrapped. Uh, MPs triggers will now need fifty percent of local Labour parties and branches to trigger. That means the likes of Kate Hoey, who was an arch-Brexiteer, he represented one of the most pro-Remain constituencies in the country. It was almost it was very hard. They didn't get rid of under the old system. Those sorts of MPs will not be able to be replaced with a candidate more to the choosing of local party members. That's what we're essentially talking about. Uh, As I've said, Labour's vision for the country, we've had, I'll talk about this after I bring the guests in. Uh, Big question mark there, to say the least, after the 12,000 word magnus opus from Keir Starmer. Rarely read anything so vacuous myself in my entire life, I have to say. If you want to find a vision in that, then best of luck. Um, And, you know, the Labour Party just recently, for example, abstained on uh, the Tories' proposal to scrap the triple lock on pensions. A real opposition indeed. Now, if I sound angry and exasperated, I am. So I'm sorry about that. We'll do our best. Um, Before I bring in the guests, uh, thank you everyone for supporting this channel. You make it possible. We have a documentary from Labour Party Conference coming up because of your support. That's on patreon.com forward slash owenjones84. We'll then be filming Conservative Party Conference And we are finally completing our documentary, which we filmed, on who owns wealth in Britain, uh, which will be very, very interesting and very very much looking forward to that. Um, uh, You can support the channel by pressing like. Uh, If you're watching live, click through to YouTube, press like and press subscribe so you get videos. Uh, or you can use super chat like Peter O'Donovan, who says, pity that because Starmer hasn't said anything about a different voting system. We'll put, please do put your questions like Peter has done there. It supports the channel. We'll put them to our uh, to our uh, people who are very lucky to join us. I'm about to introduce them. Um, and also uh, you can listen to us on our podcast, so do do that as well. That's enough for me. I'm bored of my voice. So we're going to bring in, very, very lucky to have Bell Ribeiro Adi, who, uh, who is the co-chair of the Socialist Campaign Group of MPs and also the Member of Parliament uh, for Streatham. And we are also very lucky to have uh, Lloyd Russell-Moyle, who is the Labour MP for Town and Peacehaven MP, so just very local to where Labour Party Conference is being held. Hello to both of you. Hello. Bell, what's your just, are was going to start, quick fire take, and what the hell is going on? What, what's your take, Bell, at the moment?
3: I mean, it was a disgraceful move in the first place. The idea that my vote, uh, Lloyd's vote, any of the other MPs should bear more than any other individual uh, Labour Party member, completely anti democratic. Um, these slightly new changes are clear what they're about. Um, it's definitely going to reduce the diversity of the people who uh, are put forward as leader in the future, um, not just uh, gender or by race, but also uh, by their political persuasion. It's definitely something I think to keep out the left. And the idea that rule changes will be put in place now, really, really bizarre. I I, I really did wonder, and so many others have, if if Keir Starmer hasn't realized that these rule changes are about taking him out or what happens after him.
1: Lloyd. (laughs) Well, I think that Bell's right there. These rule changes are designed so that Keir can be taken out by the right. The right hate Keir's guts, probably more than uh, some on the left seem to do, but they are um, uh, silent assassins. They have persuaded him to make these changes, and uh, either foolishly or he's kind of going along with his own suicide mission, Um, he's kind of gone along with them. Uh, And he ditched the the college vote system, partly because the unions pointed out who was going to pay for it. If they had to ballot three million members who's going to pay for the letters to go out and the party had just assumed that the trade unions were going to pay that i mean that's a and the price of a stamp's not uh is more than 50p but it's over 1.5 million pounds that you're asking every time the labour party has a brain fart and wants to wants to do a deputy or leadership election you know kind of these this was an unreasonable burden on the trade unions he had to ditch that because he couldn't even think about these things ahead and now he's come up with another plan, uh, and that other plan is actually less democratic than the Conservative Party. The Conservative Party, at least now, the Conservative Party, at least, has first of all a round with MPs using um, transferable votes, where two candidates emerge, but its two candidates have emerged. Um, based on a transferable vote system where any candidate can have gone in in the first place Mm -hmm. and then two candidates are put to the party we will have a system where like last time Keir can hoover up say 50 to 60 percent of the MPs and then it's impossible even if the other MPs want someone on it's almost impossible for them to get a second person on the ballot so you will have lots of opportunities where there's only one person on the ballot. And remember when we derided the Conservatives when Theresa May got in on a combination, And that was because people had pulled out. That's not because of their electoral system. That's just because she had persuaded people to stand down. This will be happening in Labour, not because people are persuaded to stand down, but because candidates can just physically block them from even getting on the ballot paper. Now, uh, uh, now that seems a bizarre situation where Labour is less democratic than, than the Conservative Party, a real worry.
2: Bella, in terms of the promises that Keir Starmer made in his leadership election, not least on party unity, for example, how do you think all of this squares with that?
3: Uh, well, it's, it doesn't square with it at all. Um, it's, it's just created a situation where everyone's fighting. And, and the justification for it, to me, was completely bizarre. Uh, we, we're being told that all of this is happening so that the party would stop looking inward. What is more inward than, than this? What is more inward than focusing um, on how we elect a leader when we have a leader? It, 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 it's completely bizarre. And, and the idea of unity has is, is just been thrown out Um, Over the past year, I think, when we look at what's happening um, in terms of suspensions, especially going into the conference, finding out that lots of delegates are being suspended um, ahead of attending the conference, which makes things feel like a stitch up. That's not unifying in any way, shape or form.
2: Um, Lloyd, the promises made by Keir Starmer. And it's worth bearing in mind a lot of people, for example, who voted for Jeremy Corbyn in both leadership elections went on to vote for Keir Starmer. And they voted for Keir Starmer because they believe promises made on radical domestic policies married to party unity, competence and electability. That's broadly the Starmer pitch from 2020. So what do you think about that pitch and what we're seeing today?
1: Well, at the time, I didn't think the pitch was a genuine pitch I thought that the problem was that Keir was not a politician. He was a senior civil servant. And this is, I know everyone thinks that being a politician is a walk in a park sometimes, but it's a very different skill base. And what we now see is Keir ditching all of those pledges, maybe because he um, was dishonest in the election, or maybe he's had a change of heart. Or my view is that probably the people around him have persuaded him. And he's trying to turn the Labour Party into some kind of civil service department where dissent is not allowed. You have to take the diktaks of your director of department and follow a line management structure. That's not democracy. Unfortunately, that's bureaucracy. And apart from bosses, bureaucrats are the next people that I hate the most because they are people that stifle debate and freedom in this uh, uh, in this country and particularly in a party and I I think that's a real shame what he's doing uh, in that sense and then the content of what he's pursuing is actually uh, a weaker less visionary and less exciting version of new Labour Blairism you know at least Blair um, and new Labour were able to package things in a way that interest did the public. They're able to package things in ways that turn off the public. It's kind of like uh, the reverse, you know, kind of the reverse Midas touch.
3: Um,
2: In terms of, uh, and I have to say, I'm I'm almost worried about asking uh, various questions because the nature of the Labour Party at the moment, it's interesting under the Corbyn era, it was often portrayed as authoritarian and Stalinism. And these people are, to some degree, Uh, by a long stretch, far more authoritarian. And we actually had a Labour MP, Kate Osborne, who had a notice of investigation served to her by the Labour Party, which they had to withdraw and apologise for because she got lawyers involved. But we have lots of other people, members who are being suspended, including delegates ahead of conference uh, in a very suspicious way, it must be said. Uh, So I'm actually worried about asking you various questions because I don't want to get you to have action taken against you in this increasingly authoritarian party, not least for those who don't know, the chief whip used to be Nick Brown, who actually had a huge amount of respect and was p- replaced by Alan Campbell, who has a reputation for being somewhat of an ice picker of the left and is certainly looking for excuses to take action against left-wing Labour MPs. What, what in terms of, and that you, I think lots of people have made this point, Bell, is actually, this is potentially politically suicidal from Keir Starmer's point of view, because actually a lot of Labour MPs on the right of the party, as Lloyd just spoke about, they they think Keir Starmer's a dud. They're looking at the polling. Obviously, his polling is very bad, despite not having a media onslaught, despite not having Labour MPs openly going against him. Um, And they're, you know, they're scared at the moment that if they got rid of him, then he might be succeeded by a lefty. But if they stitch up the rules that won't happen. So then they can just get rid of him. What do you think about that?
3: Well, looking at these rule changes, um, it, you know, you do believe that somebody somewhere is, is is thinking this up for that very, very reason. And I think that's that's completely wrong. I mean, Keir himself was elected 60% of the vote um, on one member, one vote. If it was good enough to elect him, what's so wrong with it now? Other then, you know, just as you suggested, that people want to make sure they keep a left person off off the ballot. And I think that's really really wrong. I think since the 2010 election, um, and obviously that definitely helped in terms of 2015, uh, when Diane stood, I think people accepted, people believed back then that, you know, it's good to have somebody from the left on the ballot. Um, You know, it helps the party seem more inclusive and will make sure Uh, that that happens and then the party will be happy. But now people don't even care what individual party members think to the extent that they want to remove their decision-making power. Mm. It's just completely out of control.
2: Lloyd, what do you think about the idea that actually now the right, if they change the rules, then obviously they could just replace Keir Starmer. And has he really thought that through?
1: Well, I think that this is the whole point of changing the rules. There is a group around Keir that um, have told him that the left are out to get him, uh, and so he can't rely on them. And and a number of us tried to reach out to him at the very beginning and said, Look, we're happy to try and build a a soft uh, um, kind of left flank on that side. We'll try and help support you with ideas. And uh, unfortunately, him and his team showed almost no interest in any of that kind of intellectual endeavour because we took his 10 pledges at face value. So he surrounded himself with a lot of right-wing people. And I think now what's happened is that they have seen that he, and then people, always knew that he was not able to perform as they would like. And they now are preparing a leadership challenge. Now, Wes Streeting's name is mentioned a lot because he's raised an awful lot of money recently, um, according to his declaration. I think it's forty to 45,000 declared, some people saying that it could be up to 100,000 ready for a leadership bid. But there are other MPs out there as well that are on manoeuvres, and they can't do that with the current system because their ideas are deeply unpopular with a lot of the membership and so they have to seek either a coronation or they will have to seek a, um, a stitch up and the college vote system was meant to be a stitch up they failed with that and now they're looking at a way that they could reach it as a coronation I remember when Keir did first get his nominations I got rung by um, a, a supporter of his uh, he'd already got through the nomination threshold He'd already was on the ballot paper, and they said it's important that you nominate Keir so that we can stop others getting on the ballot paper, Lloyd, and that we make sure that you you can you know, you'll go far if you nominate him. Now I didn't nominate him; I nominated uh, uh, Becky. In fact, uh, Rebecca Long Bailey. But but that is the mindset that many of them had, and that is the mindset that they'll have going forward now.
2: Yeah, Bell, I mean, uh, what do you, I mean? I mean, maybe it's plus pointless psychoanalyzing. But what do you think Keir Starmer's own intentions here? Do you think this was his plan all along, or do you think factional players around him have driven this? So, for example, there's Matt Pound. Uh, Matt Pound is the is the National Secretary of Labour First, or was well, sorry, Labour First is the kind of big right wing grouping within the Labour Party that mobilizes for the right of the party. Uh, Morgan McSweeney. I mean, that was alarm bell time as it was. Former chief of staff, uh, he ran Liz Kendall's 4.5% campaign. She got 4.5% in 2015, the Blair Act candidate. Uh, Others as well, Jenny Chapman, um, again, one of his closest aides until recently, and she campaigned for David Miliband in 2010. You kind of look at and think, you know, did these people look at Liz Kendall's defeat in 2015 when she got 4.5% and think... That didn't work. So what we'll do is we'll get a guy who has kind of credentials as soft left and we'll win that way. And then when we win, we'll just destroy the left.
3: I definitely agree with with Lloyd on this, and that it seems that it is about making sure that, you know, there isn't a left person on, on the ballot again. And I, I I really, really, I really, really worry about that. And the fact that people may feel the need to make sure there's not a left person on the ballot again, as she shows more where the party is at. The fact that it was Keir's ten pledges that won him um, the vote at the end of the day, those ten pledges which were rooted in the policies under Jeremy Corbyn and and the fact that, uh, you know, if if he had said that he was going to do this as the leader, people probably wouldn't have voted for him. All those things point very clearly to who Labour Party members are. Now, we know a lot of people from the Labour Party have left um, uh, for, for various reasons because they haven't been been, been happy. But I, I keep thinking to myself, if it's so clear where the Labour Party is in terms of politics, in terms of the membership, I think members should take take you know courage in that. I know things are quite bad at the moment. They should take courage in that, and particularly those that joined to vote Jeremy um, stayed, voted for Keir, and then left. Those people need to come straight back especially if they've left because they're unhappy, because they need to realise that their votes essentially have put um, this situation uh, the way it is, and that actually, where we've been able to, you know, keep off this rule change in some form, it's been because of of our strength in numbers. Um,
2: Just a couple of things. I mean... Lloyd, I mean, we're asked by Tad Campbell, what are the chances of these new rules and 25% of MPs getting through conference over a 50% chance? So basically, for those who don't know, originally Keir Starmer got a very rough ride uh, from TULO, which is the trade union link between the Labour Party and the unions um, over the Electoral College. And that's why they came up with a new set of proposals and, uh, and met separately with some of the main trade unions, GMB, Unison and Usdor, which are broadly politically aligned with the Labour leadership, unlike Unite, which fiercely opposes uh, attempts to uh, water down Labour Party democracy. Do you, I mean, what do you think? Do you think this will? Do you think this this will pass? What do you, what's your sense of the mood within the party generally? Because for those again who don't know, conference is divided up. Unions delegates get votes. Party members get votes as well.
1: Well, you have to get 50% of, um, of each of the categories. Uh, the, the, um, the trade union usually agree a position and will go forward um, as, as a kind of block on, on these things. That might be broken. Why, of course, um, why of course uh, he's pushing now is we know a year in advance who makes up the UNISON delegation. So at the moment, the unison delegation is controlled by the the unison right, Labour link. Next year, we know already that they will be controlled almost entirely by the Labour left link. Um, so that's within unison, the unison delegation has flipped totally left. And that's really positive for us who are on the left. It means that we'll get some better um, and clearer policy demands, really exciting. But that's why they're pushing it as a as a deal today or nothing, break or uh, break or or not. Uh, this year because they know they just would not have the the majority of the union votes going forward so i think they will try and cobble something together and they will try and push it and i think the chance of it going through is probably higher than 50 percent however i would not put it past ordinary members in the clp section just to be so pissed off that there, there is a there is an element of kind of britishness is there not you know kind of they like talking about all this rubbish in in, in in Keir and the Tories, um, a kind of new new world order of, of, of patriotism. But, you know, there is something very British about people not liking being bullied, supporting the underdog, etc. And I just wonder if actually what he's done in the last two weeks is managed to alienate so many ordinary members who wouldn't necessarily traditionally be on the left to just say, hang on a second, we don't really want this going through. So there is still a chance. And I don't know I mean, why you're dreading this so much because for the last few years it's been us on the left in charge and we've been trying to have to swerve the road uh, the the roadblocks and it's been torturous sometimes watching that this time we can sit back and enjoy some of the car crash
2: well i'm not i'm not (laughs) (laughs)
1: i'm I'm being a bit i'm being a bit flippant i'm being a bit flippant but there is an element of that i think it's so badly managing this that I think some of it might just fall apart.
3: Yeah. I um, mean, that's
2: what, yeah. I mean, my thing is, is on this is, you know, I keep getting people on Twitter going, um, Oh, why are you take, Oh, you, you just don't want to fight the Tories. You're to- causing all this infighting. It's like, you kid like, I, what's funny is I keep getting people saying, uh, Oh, you're a Tory. It's just funny because Corbyn supporters kept uh, being ridiculed during a long time for mm-hmm. calling their critics Tories. I keep getting Keir Starmer, you know, a, a lifelong socialist whose entire career is dedicated to fighting the Tories and Panama Tories now. But I mean, it, it, you know, and then you look through their tw- their Twitter history and it's uh, people who were voting for the Liberal Democrats in 2019 who are now suddenly uh, denouncing the lack of loyalty people have yeah. to a Labour Party, which in my case, I voted for in every single election in my life, including under Tony Blair. I joined the Labour Party under Tony Blair when I was 15 years old mm-hmm. and people were voting for the Liberal Democrats a year and a half ago all of a sudden they're denouncing the lack of loyalty to the Labour Party and all the rest of it. It's just very tedious. I mean, the point, Bill, though, and this was the point I was going to make, is I don't want to talk about this. I want to talk about the Tories. I want to talk about what the Tories are doing to the country. We didn't pick this fight. We're not the ones who stood on a mandate and then threw it away and then tried to declare war on the left. If he'd have done the things he is now doing, he would never have become leader of the Labour Party, not a chance. No way. His former advisor, Simon Fletcher, said exactly that. If he'd argued for an Electoral College and the leadership election, he would have been sunk. So, Bell, I suppose my question is, what is Labour's vision at the moment for the country, given what the Tories are doing, and what should it be? What are the kind of things you want Labour to be talking about at the moment?
3: Well, um, I think it's worrying when you hear anybody talk and you see a lot of commentators going around and asking people, what do you think Labour's vision is for the country? Um, and people aren't clear. People aren't clear, and I think that's wrong. Especially living in the times that we do at the moment, um, especially with everything um, that's going on—the uh, fallout from the pandemic, the fallout from the brex- from Brexit, uh, but, well, Leave or Remain—it's clearly, it was clearly a bad, bad deal that's been done, and we can see all of that happening. And the idea that talking about an electoral college is not looking inward is is beyond me. Like you, I think that we should be you know, fighting the Tories head on. I think we should be opposing them. Um, I, I I feel sick when I'm asked to abstain. I don't understand what I'm being asked to abstain on. How can we not have an opinion on every single piece of disgraceful legislation that they're putting through at the moment? We need to be presenting um, a positive alternative and we, and we need to actually be presenting an alternative that means something to to individuals, that means something to people in the country, not trying to um, create a situation where the Tories might criticise us less or create a situation where we think that the press will be more amenable to us. I think that I think that's the wrong way to go. We're meant to be appealing to, to people, not the Westminster bubble. And in doing that, we would go back um, to some of the things that Keir had said um, when he was elected. And, and in moving forward, um, you know, I, I I very much, you know, both lord and myself are members of the Socialist Campaign Group. Socialist Campaign Group has put together uh, 10 points, which we think that people um, which you think the party should be adopting um, in terms of moving us forward with policy, in terms of presenting a a, a positive um, outlook on what we can do to repair the country at the moment. And and I encourage everybody to have have a look at those. You know, we're talking about things such as tax justice. We're talking about reversing uh, some of these terrible cuts to universal credit. We're talking about a Green New Deal. All of the things that I think people really, really want to talk about at Labour Party conference this year, really, really want to, to to nail down in terms of what we're presenting to the country as a vision, because we all know that we could have an election very, very soon, and we can't go to the country and ask them to vote for us like this.
2: Yeah, Lloyd, finally, what, what's your take on, you know, what's the vision and and, and what are the things Labour should be saying? And, and I do think it is worth saying Labour's polling and Keir's polling is, is just terrible. Uh, they haven't been savaged by the media in the way not just Corbyn was, actually Miliband and Brown. He's got a far easier ride from the media than either, uh, either three of his predecessors. He hasn't had your colleagues publicly denouncing him all the time and plotting polling very bad. So what would Labour's vision actually be to try and address that?
1: Well, Labour only, in my view, wins when it puts forward a positive vision of what the country is going to be moving forward. And that is not just a policy-based vision. There's 10 points that we put out as the campaign group, a real policy-based, but it's also culturally-based. You know, in in with Wilson, it was about Britain and the white heat of technology. The idea that you know, kind of, we were moving into a modern a modern era, um, where you know, kind of, where we were going to be leading on some of these uh, these issues socially and technologically. Even in '97, you have kind of that cool Britannia, that moving forward, you know, kind of bringing Britain together in a kind of new modern way, from Spice Girls to Oasis. It's a cultural. Revolution as well as a policy based one, and the problem is that we don't see any of real of what that modern Britain is going to feel like or look like. And on policies, um, it, it, we, we are floundering and 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 we shouldn't be. If we look at the fuel crisis, I mean, it's not actually a crisis of fuel, it's a crisis of HGV lorry drivers. The real reason. Is good basic trade union and labor relations reasons it 's not just about pay it 's about conditions it 's about hours of work it 's about toilet stops it 's about the fact that being a lorry driver is so unpleasant in this country um, compared to other jobs and Of course we have um, seen an exodus of people out of the out of the out of the sector and these are things that we could be talking about. Angela is going to talk about a bit um, uh, but even then the um in her opening speech even then we're not really going to pledge to the 15 uh, pounds an hour minimum wage which is what the unions are calling for we need to be a bit more ambitious because if we are just saying we're going to do the same as the tories but we're going to give everyone a free microwave or a little sweetie on the side it's not going to convince people we have to convince people about how we're going to do something that aligns to their values and then has policy suggestions that are hints so they can say Uh, they can see that those values in practice are also going to be what they want. And so far, we've not seen any of that. I would like to see that on social care, but I would also like to see it on... On a basic principle of universalism. I think that's something that is exciting. Labour wants to make it good for everyone. It doesn't matter whether you are the very poorest or you are the middle. Council housing, again, council housing was not built for the very poorest in our country. It was built for working people, people who maintained good, steady jobs. Originally, that's what council housing was for. How do we return back to a society where actually these provisions are universal for everyone that needs them? And that, I think, would be a really exciting offer and some of the stuff that we put in our 10 pledges from the campaign group.
2: And just finally, just before I let you both go, and thanks so much for your time, just to let everybody know the latest from the meeting of the National Executive Committee of the Labour Party, all proposals have been voted for, albeit with a slight amendment of the threshold of MPs being 20%. So a fifth of MPs uh, have to nominate any leadership candidate, Lisa Nandy, for example, she wouldn't have got on the ballot paper under those rules. In fact, only Keir Starmer would have done. Um, in the last leadership election. Unison have abstained on everything, just so you know. Um, now that could be interesting in terms of because what happens now, just so everyone knows it goes to the conference floor. And on the conference floor, unions have their delegates and party members do. If you or unions en masse vote for the proposals. It, it's very hard for party members to defeat it unless there's an overwhelming majority of a large majority. But if unison abstain in that, that makes it more likely that those proposals could be defeated. Very undemocratic stitch up, all backed now by the NEC of the Labour Party. And we'll see what happens on the conference floor. Thank you so much to both Bell and Lloyd. Really appreciate it. And I'll see you both in Brighton. Thanks. Woo. Take care, see you. Lots of love. That was brilliant. Thank you so much. Um, now I am going to bring in my friend, my compañero Ellie Mayer Hagen. Though I can see, I can see her in the waiting room, and she's chatting away. Oh, there you are, Ellie. Snuck up in there, didn't I? Ellie, we can't hear you. We need some sound. Can you hear He's me? Muted. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. I can hear you.
4: I've got a surprise for you. Go on. Is that the right way?
2: Yeah. Oh look, it's Ian Lavery. <laughs> How you
5: doing? <laughs> Do you know what, Ian? I've been better. How are you doing over in Brighton? I think that's a perfect description. I've been better uh, as well, but you know, that's what politics is about. I keep saying, you know, it's not called a struggle for nothing. (laughs) Everything is a struggle, everything's a fight. But when has it not been? I mean, that's that's the question. We've always had to to fight for what we want. We've always had to fight to maintain what we win. And we've always had to, to fight, and we'll need to fight. To, to, to make any progress for ordinary working people, ordinary people. So there isn't anything really new other than what, you know, the, these changes that Kia try to push through. You've got to question, why on earth? You know, what is the strategy? What's it for? It almost feels, doesn't it, as if Kia's is ready to, to, to basically wrap up and these new rule changes would be in place for for his successor, it almost feels that way. I'm, I'm not sure if that, that, that's right. But certainly that's the talk of a lot of people at conference. Now, why has he done this? and Why has he not had a, a consultation period if he wanted these changes in? Why has he not discussed it with the CLPs? Why has he not discussed it with the, the unions? And, you know, that could have been some common consensus on on rule changes. But he just seems to have said, okay, this is what's happening and I'm at a real rooted through conference and he's, he's hit the buffers as the same dance. Um And it's, to be honest, I think it, this could fatally wound Keir Starmer. Ian, on this, and just so everyone knows,
2: mo- I think everyone watching will know, but you're, you're the, uh, Ian's the Labour Member of Parliament for Wandsbeck and one of the most prominent left-wing Labour MPs. I mean, Ian, I mean... Uh, the rules, just so you know, have basically been adopted by the NEC. A slight amendment: um, the threshold for nominations is twenty percent, um, and Unison abstained. By the way, just so you know, it now obviously goes to the conference floor. Do you think they'll pass? And what does that? I mean, if they pass, it's a pretty catastrophic, pretty catastrophic blow for the left. If we're going to be brutally honest.
5: Well, it, it, it's, it's a huge blur to, to the left. But, you know, when these the opposition to these raft of rule changes haven't just been from the left. They've been from the right. They've been from the centre. They've been from all wings of the party. People are generally unhappy about uh, the rule changes. That's interesting. I was very much unaware of that, that the ANAC had agreed um, <clears throat> with an abstention from unison. You know that still could mean, by the way, that when it hits the conference floor, that it could be extremely tight. I'm am really surprised that the ANEC have agreed to that, particularly the threshold to the 20%. It's it's utterly amazing, and what that means is that, uh, you know, the the ethnic blame, the uh, the. People who might wish to—there's only no chances, only a very select few would ever get the opportunity of standing. It might mean that you might get, you know, like a, a one-person um, a selection, a one-person election for leader of the Labour Party. I mean, it's preposterous and it's not needed. Um, so that, that, let's let's wait and see what happens on the the conference floor. But I think that might be tight, by the way. Just, just lastly, Ian.
2: What does it say about the fact that we have cuts to universal credit, we have empty supermarket shelves, we've got an energy crisis, we've got 150,000 people who died in one of the worst handlings of COVID-19 on the face of the earth, and a Labour Party, which from left to right, people have agreed there was a complete lack of coherent vision with voters when they asked what Keir Starmer's stands for, drawing a blank that the Labour leadership have used this big opportunity conference where they get to speak to the nation to do an internal civil war for factional reasons. What does that tell us? And well, that- you, you,
5: you, you've got to question uh, Keir's strategy. You've got to question uh, Keir's political team, his advisors, But, you know, the book stops with Keir Starmer. He's the leader of the Labour Party, and uh, he, he's the man that would say yes or no to these proposals. And uh, it's uh, absolutely right this should have been a platform, a springboard for Kia to speak to the people, speak to the nation, not just Labour Party members, but people in this country, many who would have never have even heard of Keir Stormy, many who would have never seen him, because the country is on its knees. Ne- the country is in a massive crisis. The points you raise, you know, whether it be petrol, whether it be supermarket shelves, whether it be the energy cap, whether it be universal credit, the things you mentioned, these are the things that Keir could have stood up in front of the nation and explained not just that we are in crisis, but where the Labour Party, we're on your side, and here's how we'll get this country out of the crisis that it's in. It was a golden opportunity, It was an open goal, and I'm afraid the the, the decision to basically kick conference off uh, on this footing with regard to rule changes mm-hmm. is just it, it's just politically. Bewildering, it's politically baffling, but we've got to ask the question: Why has it been done? Because it raises a lot of questions. Then, why has this been done? Ks team will have understood the outcry from the unions, from the CLPs, from the you know members of the party. They'll have understood the consequences, but they still thought it was worth it, and they still thought um, that they would bring it to conference. Uh, and try and railroad it through, uh, we've we got to like, keep asking why this was the case uh, deliberate when Keir had this perfect opportunity. He keeps saying, and he keeps saying, I haven't had the opportunity of speaking to anybody because of COVID. Mm-hmm. For heaven's sake, this is his great golden opportunity to say, I'm Keir Starmer. This is what I stand for. I'm the leader of the Labour Party. We've got the answers and we're on your side.
0: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. But he he hasn't done
5: that, I'm afraid, sir. we'll wait and see.
2: Ian, it's a massive pleasure. I'm looking forward to see you in, uh, in Brighton. I'm not looking forward to go to Brighton, but I am looking forward to see you. So I'll just divorce the two. It's always 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 an honour, and I'm glad you're looking so. You've cheered me up. I was pretty 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 <laughs> at a low ebb, but you always you always uh, raise my spirits. So it's appreciated. This is therapy. That's, uh,
5: that, that, that's fine. Well, I look forward to seeing you when you when you get down anywhere. You too, buddy. I owe you a pint. Uh, oh, cheers, I'll see, of, of, I'll
2: see you shortly.
4: Right, uh, to me. Ian, Ian yeah, Labour, there,
2: the, the member me so I'm
4: just going to say goodbye to Ian. Okay, mm-hmm.
2: while you do that, I'm just going to mute you because yeah, the uh, Labour MP for Wandsworth, brilliant guy. Um. You know, a working-class MP to his very soul, the former, uh, a former uh, president of the National Union of Mine Workers. He's someone who who lives and breathes the experiences the Labour Party was founded to represent and champion. Right, Ellie. Ellie, do you know what? I've mean, just had this flashback. Ellie, by the way, is the director of class, the incredible Oh, person. I need to
4: get out their banners. Yeah, yeah. There we are. So, there
2: it is, Centre for <laughs> Labour and Social Studies. Ellie, I remember sitting in the Chandos pub with you in 2011, 10 years ago. Gosh, and we were having yeah. a big old argument about joining the Labour Party or not. And you joined. Yes. you joined, yeah, I remember and that. You tweeted about it and Ed Miliband, the then leader of the Labour Party, tweeted to to welcome you in. It's been yeah. a been a real rocket, it's, it's been a real journey since then, those 10 years.
4: Yeah, oh, it
2: God. really has. What's your take on, what's your take on everything? Just general questions. God, what's my take on everything? Well, I think, um,
4: you know, I think a lot of us forget why uh, Jeremy Corbyn won by such massive margins in 2015, and it was really because the other three candidates just sort of represented a wing of the Labour Party that was intellectually exhausted. That really. Had...
2: Oh, Ellie! Ellie has frozen in quite a dramatic fashion. Uh, we'll just wait for Ellie, see if Ellie can come... Oh, wait a minute, is she back? Oh, yeah, Ellie, come back, come back. Come Sorry, back. I didn't even
4: realise I was just uh, waxing lyrical. You can yeah, you hear on. me?
2: Yeah, yeah I can hear, you. We yeah. can hear you.
4: So, yeah, I think um, people forget why uh, Jeremy Corbyn won. It wasn't just because of what he was offering. It was also because uh, the other three candidates sort of demonstrated how intellectually exhausted the mainstream of the party was at the time. Um, and then, obviously, the Corbyn years were just very turbulent. We, you know, in 2017, Labour, Labour came extremely close to winning, and, um, which obviously no one likes to talk about that now. Um, and then in 2019, it all fell apart for reasons that have been dissected to oblivion. Um, but I think what's happening now really is that um, we, we, we have returned to that um, position of being intellectually exhausted of wanting to tinker at the edges a moment that demands big change and I think that you know we've also returned to some early Blairism um, specifically um, trying to get rid of the left using the labor bureaucracy to do that um, and I think basically the current leadership is sort of thinking if we if we um, try to distance ourselves from the left and also try and crush them internally that's how we demonstrate to the public that we're serious but i think actually you know uh, the 90s was 25 years ago now and i also just think people do not pay that much attention to internal labor politics so i think um as ian said the labor party has missed a golden opportunity i mean my husband just sent me a message of a petrol station in north london that has a queue all the way down the road of cars trying to panic buy fuel You know that's the kind of thing that's going on out there in the world at the moment, and Keir Starmer should be talking about that, and he's he's not,
2: you know. So, I mean, what what do you think? I mean, what's your kind of interpretation of what's going on here? Because, as you say, there's no shortage of problems facing the country. But I'm interested. What do you think about Keir? I mean, maybe you don't have any insights on this, so you just say irrelevant. But do you think this was Keir Starmer's plan all along, or do you think it's factual operators around him? I have
4: heard, so I was curious about this because I've never really I don't know Keir Starmer that well. I've interviewed him once and I've like known people who work with him. But I've never got the impression from anybody that he is he's he's um particularly like cares particularly about Labour. Um, The Labour Party bureaucracy, and is you know not sure how invested he was in the Labour Party, like particularly in terms of of its internal wranglings before he became an MP. So I actually did ask someone in the know to what you know to what extent is this is this care pushing this, and to what extent is the people is it the people around him? And the answer that I got is it is care. But only, only recently and only because he's been convinced by the people around him. So the sort of origin is is the people around him who've been pushing that. And that, and it is, that is sort of um, groups like Labour First, you know, who are the sort of uh, the, the Blairite group. So I do think it really does seem to me as though we're watching the political strategy of um, pre-1997 Blair which is that you have to, the, the way that you signal to the public that you're ready to govern is that you crush the left internally. Because, you know, they prescribed um, militant in, um, in the early 90s. And, you know, now we have uh, the same thing happening to Socialist Appeal, who, by the way, are standing outside with a very noisy PA system. Um, so I think, I think basically they have a, a set election formula that worked incredibly well in the circumstances of 1997. And I think they've made the mistake of thinking that's a one-size-fits-all election formula that can be applied to any context and at any era in history, and it will win. And I think that's wrong, and I think that, you know, we can see from the polling and the response of the public that actually it isn't working.
2: Um, In terms of, I mean, this point about vision, because, I mean, what you just said I think is really interesting, really gets the nub of a lot of things, because... The way a lot of those who will turn themselves centrist looked at the Corbyn era is this mass delusion and it was an aberration and a glitch in the matrix, which is often their understanding of lots of different political phenomena, they don't like, Brexit, Trump, and so on. It just appeared from a clear blue sky, whoops. Um, when actually, at the time, you know, it was very obvious that other wings of the Labour Party were politically and intellectually exhausted. They didn't have a coherent vision that answered the challenges of britain in the 21st century and they were then thrown into the wilderness and they had years to come up with a vision they had years to come up with ideas i mean you work for a think tank whose purpose is to come up with ideas on the left but they they had the opportunity to do all that and they didn't do it they don't they still have an empty cupboard and they just seem to have this big red button which they press which is kick the left and that point you made and if it's about, you know, defining yourself against your party. So Morgan McSweeney, the former chief of at Keir Starmer, has been going around saying, if you want to advance, you've got to face down your own party. The biggest button they could have pressed, that cut through to the electorate, was kicking Jeremy Corbyn, his predecessor as leader, out of the parliamentary party. They did it. The polling did not improve for Labour. It actually went down, whether that's correlation or causation. The Greens increased their vote at the expense of Labour. That continues to be a problem so, I mean, what do you think about that? The fact that there's just not a vision there, except kick the left. Yeah,
5: I
4: think a um, couple of general secretaries have commented on this uh, in the, the union. So, obviously, Sharon Gray, Graham has given several interviews where she's general about secretary. This.
5: Yeah,
4: yeah, and um, Gary Smith has said similar things as well. Which is which is that the the un, the, the Labour Party um, needs to actually, you know, it it has lost touch with working class people. Um, and, you know, this is just further evidence of that. I think, you know, um, as Sharon, I couldn't put it better than Sharon Graham, which is when she said um, that, you know, this country is facing a crisis and this conference will be remembered as the time that the Labour Party spoke about rules and not issues. I mean, I can't sum it up any better than that. But what I would dis- I, where I would disagree with you is, um, is that whether they have a vision. They do have a vision. But the problem is, is that their vision was crafted in the mid '90s and it hasn't been updated. So, when you say they're pressing a button, like so, basically in the Blair years, there was the two, there was sort of two prongs to Blair's um, sort of strategy. One was Crush the left, and the other was to sort of remake society, and you had this huge program of how um, Blairism was going to sort of as Peter Mandelton put it to me once, modernize the party and then modernize the country.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: But, a, you know, a vision that happened 25 years ago is no longer modern. And they just haven't updated that. So, they, you know, they come up with these sort of policies, they come up with ideas, they come up with slogans and they fall flat because they're trying to apply them in an era where they're not relevant and it's that lack of updating you know modern the the Blair project was about modernization but they are not able to modernize they've become um, a bit a bit like the Tories were with Thatcher actually so when Blair was first in power the Tories were sort of so overwhelmed by Thatcherism that they couldn't imagine anything outside of that and i think the same thing has happened with a particular wing of the Labour Party and um, and Blair and Blair's legacy, which is that it, Blair was so successful, so dominating, they just haven't been able to move on from that. And so they're doing one element of his strategy that, um, you know, which is uh, crush the left, but the other of like actually have a modernizing visit vision that's relevant to the era that you're in and that brings people with you, that bit is the bit that they're not doing.
2: So what do you think? What's your kind of prediction about what's going to happen in conference this week? Because obviously, as I keep saying, Keir Starmer, and I am going to keep saying this, because some people on Twitter, I mean, it's Twitter and Facebook, but they're like, oh, Labour are struggling because of your Twitter posts, as though swing voters around the country are sitting around thinking um, they're going to decide how they vote based on my latest tweets. I'm not God. Um, But but his, his polling ratings are terrible. They're really, really bad. And he hasn't had a media onslaught against him. He hasn't had the Parliamentary Labour Party after him. If people say the pandemic helps the government, why are incumbent governments in, 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 in Europe struggling? Christian Democrats in Germany they're slumping, uh, Macron's been struggling, the Italian government, the Spanish government. Uh, Trump obviously lost the election, so that doesn't really hold water. So what do you think will happen in, you know, do you have any predictions at conference? Do you Have you got a sense of the mood? I know it's still very early, most people haven't arrived. What do you think, what's your kind of big kind of hopes for conference and your big fears for conference?
4: So after last night, um, I'm sure everybody saw... Uh, Twitter about the, uh, the, the Chulo meeting, which was the meeting between the trade unions and, and the leadership. Um, I'm sure that people have now read you know, about, and perhaps you spoke about it earlier with Bell and Russell, but, um, about how uh, animated that meeting was. There is definitely a sense of like uh, a bit of tension, I would say. And there's definitely a bit of tension about the votes on conference floor and how that's going to go. Um, there's, there is definitely some uncertainty about kind of. There's, there's a recognition that there's a bit of a power struggle happening, and there's uncertainty about who's going to win it. So, yeah, I definitely have noticed people sort of talking in hush whis, hushed whispers and sort of it being a bit intense. So tense, I think is yeah is probably the. the the feeling, And, and what I would say is, so there's two things that I hope. So there's Lucy Powell's policy on housing, which has got a lot of good, good stuff. I mean, I'm disappointed not to see a council house building program in it, but it's got a lot of good stuff. And Angela Rayner, uh, Angela Rayner's package on work is really good, although, again, that is another area where I agree with the GMB that Labour should not be calling for £10 an hour but for £15 an hour. And actually, the £10 an hour ship has sailed and it's time for Labour to get with the times and call for £15 an hour. But other than that, there are a lot of good things in that package. So I'm hoping that gets, you know, we we hear a bit more about that. And then finally, I'm hoping that um, Keir Starmer has a really good leader speech and I'm hoping that we actually get a bit more substance from him because I didn't really get much from that long essay that he wrote um there was not much sort of detail I, I still yeah. felt a little bit unclear about what what that means for his leadership and, and who that means he is so I'm hoping so I'm hoping we get him a bit more of that out of that my fear is that um you know the the, the factional disputes the disputes over the internal rules will cuz you know as um Ian just we were just discussed with Ian that you know some of these things are now going to be voted on in conference and that that means that, that there's a risk of them dominating the conference and dominating the news and actually we don't get a chance to talk about the issues so i am concerned about that my other hopes is that um, the TWT festival down the road is a uh, really fun uh, class is doing a workshop at that. If you're going there, please come along to our workshop. It is on Monday, and um, that uh, yeah, the, our fringe event goes really well. So I'm just going to plug that and say that's on Tuesday. We have Ash Sarkar, um, we have me, me, uh, we have Clive Lewis. Um, so yeah, please come along to that as well. So those are my hopes and fears. Ending with a plug for class.
2: Love it, um, Ellie. It's been a real pleasure, real honour. Looking forward to see you at conference. We're both going to the L- Labour LGBT uh, thing, uh, di- uh, disco tonight, um, so if you're cool, come along to that. And if you're right wing and want to yell at me, don't bother. Um, and uh, I think if you're
4: right wing, you should come and yell at him.
2: Don't. <laughs> could you not do that? <laughs> uh, don't do it. Uh, but yeah, I am. I'm looking forward to seeing you there and uh, giving you a big hug when I arrive yeah. in Brighton later today. We'll get through it. We'll look after each other. <laughs> we'll have yeah, to. We will. Don't, we'll get don't... through it
4: with alcohol,
2: as we always do. Well, I'm not. I'm going to avoid drinking, actually. I'm going to be a very good boy. But.
4: That's what I said until then last night. It just went out the window immediately. So, Oh, no,
2: we'll get drunk tonight. Yeah, we'll be a <laughs> to myself. Anyway, I will see you uh, later today. But thanks, Ellie, as ever. That was brilliant. And best right. of luck. For see you today. soon. What's thanks. Love.
0: See you back.
2: So, very lucky now to have, as I've just said, the Labour National Executive Committee has just passed the changes that we're talking about. So, it now goes to conference. Uh, but what we're going to do is talk to the brilliant Lara McNeil, who is a representative on Labour's NEC. So she can tell us, you know, WTF, what just happened there. Hey, Lara, how are you doing?
0: I'm good. I'm just in the like lobby of a hotel. So, yeah, uh, there's only place I could get into there, so it So apologies great. for the yeah, weird look, background.
2: It looks glowing. The, the way the I'm a bit light. glowing.
0: Yeah, yeah, I haven't, got, I haven't gonna... got enough powder with me, but yeah, it's fine.
2: The light yeah. is, is, is reflecting on you, isn't it? Yeah, you look great. Um, Lara, come on. What the hell just happened? You were at the NEC meeting. But what the just hell did just want? happen?
0: Hmm. Yeah, so um, we were obviously told we were going to have changes brought last night to the NEC and that changed this morning um, because it looked like it got some backlash from the unions and people did complain that they didn't have enough time to discuss it with people they represent. Obviously, I'm not there for with my personal capacity. I'm supposed to represent people. So... People were complaining about that, and then there were concerns raised about the threshold and what it means for equality. So, if the um, if it was passed in, you know, twenty twenty, Keir would be the only candidate who was on the ballot paper. So, um, yeah, it seems quite confident to bring those rule changes, and um, we we see throughout the years that there would have been hardly any women or people of colour on the ballot. So these concerns were raised and an amendment was accepted to reduce it to twenty percent um, rather than twenty five percent of MPs, um, which is still up um from the ten percent that it is currently. Um and the whole package was taken so along with the trigger ballot, so making it harder to trigger MPs. And the same arguments came out again about how um you know MPs spend time talking to their members rather than um the the party and the whole package was framed as something that would help um, Labour get onto a general election footing which was queried by a lot of people including myself because it doesn't really seem to make sense um, however it did pass 22 to 12 with two abstentions I voted against it and um, it will be going to Convence floor um, so people will have to um, debate it there
2: what what in terms of the unions, and I know Unison actually abstained on the package. Yes. What, what were the kind of arguments that what how what were the kind of things being said by the trade union representatives on the NEC?
0: So there was a few things. So um, I think one thing was that um, they hadn't had enough time to discuss this with their members and the the argument for doing it so quickly was that we don't want to have these discussions for months. These are well-rehearsed arguments, was the phrase used. However, it was pointed out that just having stuff on Twitter isn't the same as going back to um, the people who you 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 know, who are supposed to represent. So there was definitely concern around that. Um, multiple unions raised the fact that the 25% was too high, which is why it got reduced. Um, to be honest we're allowed two minutes to speak and we're not allowed to come in on the same thing twice so the arguments are not very um you know they're quite brief um and it all it does feel like it's already um decided before um you sort of get in the room but those are the concerns raised that it was too high a threshold um and it should just be reduced and also the diversity aspect um we promised that they said something like which i clarified which was basically like They'll, they'll think about the equality impact. So there was a suggestion of an amendment that it would be like if a woman didn't make the ballot paper, then like the next runner-up basically who got CRPs or whatever behind her would get onto the ballot paper, but that wasn't clarified. So basically, we have a vague promise that the equality's impact will be looked at, and I have no idea what that means.
2: Otherwise known as long grass...
0: King. That's exact that's exactly what I said. I said it sounds like you're throwing it to the long glass grass, and they said that I don't yeah, know why we couldn't have amended it because an amendment came up to and, be proposed, and, and, but it wasn't accepted by here.
2: And and it should be said, given Labour at the moment, uh accusations of anti-black racism, which the Ford report, which is still not published, hasn't dealt hasn't have not been addressed, Islamophobia within mm. the Labour Party, along with problems in terms of LGBTQ rights. So this is not not great when they just kick... Something to do with equalities into the long grass, Lara. I mean, previous attempts by leaders to uh, force through rule changes, at the very least, there's actually been a long period of consultation. So when Ed Miliband did it with the Collins review, um, uh, that that was a process that went on for months and months, and there was a consultation and debate and discussion. What does it say that this was just rammed through at the outset of a conference?
0: Yeah, I definitely think it's unprecedented. Like I said, I said. Um, before, like, leaders of all different um, political traditions have definitely um, taken time to consider things this big. Um, I mean, I said in the meeting, I don't think it shows very, like, strong leadership um, that you're not prepared to have not just diversity of people but political diversity in, like... um, candidates for leader and so you know I said that and um, Mish one of the CLP reps said you know what why are we doing this it looks like unless you don't want to be the person leading us into a general election like why else would you be putting it forward because I know there's been a lot of discussion around like why it's happening I mean I think it's pretty plain that like um, people on the right of the party around Keir Starmer want to just like lock in power Um, but yeah it's not it's not obvious why it's actually happening now. I think it shows I think it shows weakness. Um and I think that, you know, trade union reps did warn that this does threaten the relationship with trade unions. If you're just gonna start pushing through rule changes like this without having an ability to discuss it with members, like I think that's quite dangerous. Um and it's difficult for us as as representatives on the NEC to sort of say, you know, we're sort of put in a position where we have to make a decision very quickly. And yeah, I think there's going to be uproar on the conference floor. Look, I'm really glad that it's not just a decision made at NEC and it's forgotten about. Like, this is going to the conference floor. Ordinary members are going to make, you know, their discussion about it. You know, MPs are overrepresented on the NEC anyway. So. Laura, I mean,
2: in the leadership election, Starmer stood on a platform of party unity and said, don't trash the last Labour governments and don't trash the last four years, i.e. the Corbyn era, either. What does it tell us that, obviously, these moves, which he would never have said if he said in a leadership election, as Simon Fletcher, his former aide, said he wouldn't have won the leadership election, but but he just wouldn't. So what what does it tell us? You know, I mean you get to see Keir Starmer obviously at NEC meetings and all the rest, you see him close up front in action. What do you think it tells us about Keir Starmer's leadership that he made these commitments and then has rammed through what are I mean, all they've done here, because they did the Electoral College then these is they've just gone, How do we stop a left winger getting on the ballot paper and then worked backwards? Like there's no other interpretation of what they're doing. So what does that tell us?
0: Yeah, I don't think anyone buys that it's trying to get general election ready reasons for doing these rule changes. And it looks, it's just very confusing. I mean, I I did some interviews when Keir first got elected and I remember saying, like, you know, being positive um, because of the kind of stuff he was coming out with his leadership campaign, which seemed fairly left-wing. It's very hard to pinpoint what exactly he stands for at the moment Um and I think if you say that then you get accused of not wanting a Labour government and all these things and it's very frustrating to have that constantly thrown at you as I'm sure you have Owen and everyone on the left gets that thrown at them but it's really hard to pinpoint exactly is what what he stands for and it seems like he shifted loads since his leadership campaign like I was very positive and like people you know, I think him and people around him probably think that young Labour wants to just trash him but that's never the case like we want a Labour government but we won't accept like something that one isn't going to persuade people to vote you know vote for Labour but also it's not going to change anything when we get into government that's that's what we want so yeah we're not here to just trash the leader for the sake of it but when he's moved so much how can we not interpret that as dishonest and also confusing if it's confusing for members what he stands for and what his focus is how confusing is it for the general public
2: What do you think is now going to happen? Because obviously it's going to conference floor. I am interested in what Unison did because they abstained. So, And Unison do have a lot of delegates. Do you think that means they're going to abstain on the conference floor? And what do you think that means in terms of the potential for these proposals being defeated on conference floor? Are you optimistic or do you think it's a done deal and Keir Starmer's going to win this?
0: This is why I'm really happy that it's going to conference floor because there are a lot of MPs on the NEC and they talk a lot about the, you know, proposals around triggers and things from their own personal perspective. And I accept that. However, I think it's more important that members have a democratic say um, than the personal, you know, views of, of an MP trying to field um member support. Um so yeah, it's a different makeup on the conference floor. So it's gonna be half and half, you know, MPs don't have that block vote. So I think that will be good. I really can't say how it's going to go and it's up to Unison delegates how they vote. I don't know exactly how that's going to work and I'm not going to make a prediction, but I think there's going to be a lot of angry delegates uh, from Unison because I know there were some people who wanted to vote for or vote against. So it's less likely to pass conference for than it is to pass the NEC for sure and it's all to play for.
2: Um, Joel asked, a former member, how would you suggest people organise? Party was a stitch-up at branch-level meetings, cancelled and asked to vote, absent people into position with no pitch commitment. Uh, I mean, a lot of people on the left, and particularly a lot of younger people, because it should be said, and the polling bears this out, when we talk about a general kind of, you know, we talk about left and right, that doesn't resonate with a lot of people. But we do know a lot of younger voters were attracted to the Corbyn offer because it resonated with... A lot of their everyday problems uh, in a country where younger people under the age of forty, to be generous, uh, have been robbed of security. <laughs> not um, young Owen, um, all right. <laughs> like I'm not young; I'm 37. But am I going to age during this conference? By the end of it, I'm going to be a <laughs> yeah. haggard mess. Same. What do you? Th- I mean, what you know? Where do you? You know? Doesn't this feel actually like a lot of younger people are basically having a big fu that the things you care about, that you're inspired by we're just going to lock that out of the party's future and we're not going to talk to you or listen to your, your hopes and aspirations anymore.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think it's quite um, demoralizing. And often I feel like people in the NEC room more broadly don't sense that anger that there is from young people and try to sort of patronize or see us as the future rather than the present. And it's, it's so clear that young people want change in this country and we want a Labour government but we want a Labour government that does things and we want a Labour government that makes change for young people and the level of crisis that young people are facing now demands the kind of solutions that we're demanding on the left like that doesn't mean that we want to trash the Labour Party and destroy the Labour Party it doesn't it means that we want a transformative Labour Party in power more than ever before and it's so demoralizing to have people act like you're trying to you know, sabotage um, electoral the success when you just have different views on how it's um, how it's actually going to happen. So yeah, it's, it can be like incredibly demoralising, but ultimately, like it's it's up for young people to fight back within the party. That's my belief. I know lots of people have left the Labour Party, and disproportionately young people have left the Labour Party. We know that by the figures that we've been given. Um, so it's clear that um, you know a lot of people are unhappy, but. Yeah, I don't. I don't think people inside, you know, MPs understand the level of distrust um, in in MPs in the political system. Um, and when you try to raise that, I don't think um, it goes down very well. But um, yeah, it's 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 demoralising, but I firmly believe that we should organise within the Labour Party. Um, but also, I completely respect and um, agree with people organising outside of the Labour Party in political campaigns that they care about, and in their trade unions, um, you know, to gain power in the workplace. We need it more than ever before. Um, and young, people, this generation are just, you know, fires. And like, you know, we're we're not going away. So um, we need to use the demoralisation to motivate us to fight harder. Really. Just a,
2: a final couple of things. Uh, firstly, Craig Berkey and others are asking how many delegates have been suspended. And there are just talk of people being suspended on the very eve of conference. So actually, they then can't be replaced. Um, I mean, we know the disciplinary system is a, is a mess. Uh, because we've we, you know, we already had uh, Jess Barnard, the chair of Young Labour who has a notice of investigation put against her for challenging transphobia and they apologise, we've had another Labour MP, they also investigated and then were forced to drop uh, and again apologised. but these are high profile cases, you can get clout uh, most people can't do that so what's your take on that and finally, what do you want Labour to be offering in this conference what do you think, because The country's a mess. I keep going on about this. Cuts to universal credit, empty supermarket shelves, energy crisis, 150,000 dead and one of the worst handlings of COVID on earth. And the Labour Party, because of its leadership, has been plunged into a massive internal wrangle instead of offering a vision. So I'm interested in suspensions and also what's your your demand for Labour in terms of the vision it offers and are you optimistic it will do so?
0: Yeah, so I think on suspensions, um, there is a lot of um, stuff on Twitter about people getting suspended for um, who are supposed to be delegates to this conference. I would reassure people that you know the vote should get transferred to delegates who are there for one so you shouldn't be losing out democratically it's difficult to comment on individual cases because often you get things raised to you and you can see through the case that it's a legit, legitimate suspension for things so sometimes it is bad timing however that we have seen that lots have been reversed and also like people don't have confidence in the disciplinary process which is a fundamental um, you know point because people want to won't want to report to a system that they don't trust um unfortunately, I think it's been a lot of agency staff bringing, you know, brought in and, and not following the rules properly, which is which is ridiculous when we're, you know, supposedly like offering voluntary redundancies to people and um, to then bring on more short term staff. And I think. Um, but ultimately, the box stops with David Evans, um, and it's up for him, up to him to um, address this. So he says that the notice of investigations from the backlog project will be stopped. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll see if that makes any difference until an investigation has has um, happened. Um, the NEC, the left of the NEC, are going to be talking about the disciplinary process, how you know we don't have any confidence in it, and how we need to change it. Um, you know, possibly during conference and after conference. So, um, it's something that we are going to fight on the behalf of members. Um, but yeah, it, it's difficult to comment on individual cases because obviously there are um some cases that are justified. Um, and and we shouldn't, you know, defend members. Um, and you know, who are accused of very serious things because we need to wait to see what the process says. Um, but yeah, ultimately, it's it's people don't have confidence in it, and it's something that we're going to fight on the NEC to try and change.
2: Laura, thank you so so much for joining us and updating us on what was happening behind the scenes and going I didn't
0: even on. answer the second question did I?
2: I oh want, yeah I, should. I
0: want, want labor to have class politics that's what it needs it needs a, it a needs a vision for the many not the few was a good slogan because it epitomized what our politics are socialist politics in a few words that's what we need not loads of different policies all over the place we need class politics again.
2: Unfortunately, I think rather than class politics, the people around Keir Starmer want Labour to be a budget version of Change UK. <laughs> change UK without the laughs. Because Change UK for a while was, it was funny. They were so quite funny. Angry. So funny. So funny. Intentionally. The logo. Oh, they have some great moments. Every day change UK. Anyway, never sorry, forget. Never forget. You never forget and we shouldn't, because it was a glorious moment. Uh Lara, thank you so, so much. Thanks uh, for having me. It all goes, to, as Lara says, to conference floor. So we'll see what happens. I will see you in Brighton. Lucky me. I'm there soon. Uh, so I'll see you over there. Lots of love. and See you, you so later. Bye. 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 Well, I think that was very comprehensive. We've had MPs. We've had the brilliant Ellie Mayer-Hagan. We've had Lara McNeil on the NEC. So we've had a very comprehensive look at what's going on in advance of conference. Just before I sign off, uh, because I do need to go to Brighton, Uh, where we are filming a documentary, very exciting. So we'll get a real feel for what's going on. Yeah, I do want to address, I mean, I do get at the moment, people on Facebook and Twitter, I'm going to say this, I mean, people say, I'll oh, just move on, Owen, you know, why do you care? The people going, oh, you're causing all this infighting, and why aren't you fighting the Tories? As though I don't fight the Tories all the time. Ta- That's my books about Tory ideology, Chavs, the establishment, my articles for years, like Tory injustice, my videos, documentaries, media appearances, social media posts, protests and rallies, and mass canvases for the Labour Party that I've organised over the years for the sole purpose, that I want to get rid of the blights on this country that is conservatism and Tory ideology, which at the moment is waging war on the very people that Labour was founded to champion and represent. It's not my videos and my social media posts that are causing Labour's problems, just to be very clear. It's ludicrous I have to say this. It's absurd I have to say this. Labour, as I've said, its current polling is terrible. Keir Starmer's polling is terrible. That's not because the media have waged war against him. They haven't. They the only hit piece on him was something over a donkey sanctuary over a year ago. They've treated him with kid gloves if we're going to be brutally honest about it. He hasn't had the parliamentary labor party constantly fighting and waging war on him, which is more than could be said about his predecessor. And yet, as things stand, his polling is terrible. He chose on the eve of conference, he chose to war, l- launch a war which was purely driven by factional spite to put the left in a box. And people arguing and yelling at us, oh, why doesn't the left shut up? You're just saying, go and die in silence. We're not going to. We're going to keep fighting. And in the end, maybe not now, maybe not for a long time, we're going to win because we have the support, not least, of so many younger people whose future this country belongs to because of the suffering, the insecurity that has been imposed upon them in modern Britain. And millennials and Zoomers, and yes, progressive older people, we're going to win in the end. We're taking the scenic route. I accept that. And the Labour Party at the moment, instead of offering an inspiring, compelling vision that resonates with millions, has no vision to offer, no coherent vision whatsoever, other than thumbing its nose up, at the left, which, as I've said, in so many ways, is sticking its fingers up at so many younger people who do want a genuine, coherent alternative to what this government is proposing. That doesn't mean abstaining on Tory legislation. It doesn't mean letting the government get away with the pandemic. It doesn't mean abandoning, and this is an important point, actually, I'm going to make this point. Many people, including those who regard themselves as liberals and centrists, have correctly, correctly denounced the lies and dishonesty of Boris Johnson and of Brexit in the Brexit campaign, the Leave campaign. And the argument that has been made time and time again is dishonesty and making promises that you do not intend to keep is corrupting our democracy. Because if people no longer believe that anything politicians tell them will ever happen, then they give up on the democratic process we saw it with Lib Dems and tuition fees. I remember younger people in 2010, it seems far fetched now, but this is what happened. They were queuing students around the block to vote for the Liberal Democrats who promised to scrap tuition fees and then went on to treble them. And that undermined their faith in democracy. Now, is it not the case that if we are consistent Democrats, if we actually believe in democracy, rather than just Criticizing it when it serves our own political ends when people try and undermine it, that we don't just say that Boris Johnson's dishonesty, which his serial dishonesty, is undermining democracy, that camp that claims made during the referendum by the Leave campaign turned out to be bollocks. And then when Keir Starmer stands on a mandate, on a ticket of unifying the Labour Party and of taking radical domestic policies forward and combining that with electability and competence, and then he abandons that in the most outrageous, ridiculous way imaginable, that we should have the same consistency and argue that that is an affront to our democracy and it's undermining faith and integrity of that democracy. Because if we don't argue that, and if you're one of those people who thinks, well, I am going to criticize Boris Johnson for being dishonest, but Keir Starmer's my guy. He's on my team, so I'm not going to say anything. And I'm going to attack anyone on the left who has the audacity to say that Keir Starmer's prospectus on which he stood and won uh, has been abandoned. And we're going to attack them and call them Tories on the internet, which is what a lot of those people are doing. And I have to say they are pathetic. Is that what we're going to do? Or are we instead going to say that Keir Starmer has a duty and a responsibility to stand by the commitments that he made? Because do you know what we're ending up in the situation facing us all now? New Labour. Do you know what New Labour said? New Labour said, we're going to have to get you to abandon a lot of your principles, but we'll give you power in exchange. And at that time, very different era, time of financialized driven growth, a financial bubble and all the rest of it. That's what they argued, though, and a lot of people bought that because they thought to themselves, I want these principles, but I want the Tories out, so I'm going to have to give up some of them. This time, you are being asked to abandon your principles and get no power because this isn't winning. If if defining themselves against their own party and Corbynism was so successful, then why didn't kicking Jeremy Corbyn out of the parliamentary Labour Party give them a big polling beast? That's no one, I mean, p- r- r- rules no one cares about. People can just see the Labour Party fighting amongst themselves. It is a nonsense on its own terms. And I have to say, and I've known a lot of these people all my adult life. I've been around the Labour Party all my adult life. And I know a lot of these people when they were mere bank carriers like myself. And I'll be honest, they hate in many cases, and I mean hate the left more than they hate the Tories. And they are far more interested in winning the factional battles that they fought in student politics in the Labour Party than they are about winning an election. And that's just, I'm afraid, a brutal reality of where we stand with these people. These are, and, and you know, unlike New Labour, and I'll say this about New Labour, they were substantial people. I didn't agree with them. In the fact, I viscerally oppose so much of what they did, not least the slaughter of Iraq. Tony Blair, Peter Mandelson, Alistair Campbell, Gordon Brown, just to name four of the founders of New Labour, were very substantial people. They were, they were titans of politics in lots of ways. These people are not just driven by factional spy. They are hopelessly mediocre. And when you see them up front, as I have, you don't, I don't think many of you realize just how mediocre. I said to a shadow minister, I was calling these people maniacs because of what they're doing. I said this to a shadow minister the other day and they said, Oh, and it's worse than that. They're completely incompetent. And we've got, I'm afraid a terrible problem in the Labour Party that people who are as mediocre as they are full of factional spite have now captured the Labour Party. And if you think I'm a, if if any of you think these people in charge of the Labour Party are going to beat the Tories, then I think we're in a very, very grim and depressing few years. I'm just going to quickly go through some of the super chats before I go. Um, Peter O'Donovan, Peter that's here, Keir Starmer hasn't said anything about a different voting system. I think you mean about in terms of the elect in terms of the national voting system, I would support proportional representation. That has actually been put by a lot of um Labour CLPs uh to conference. Uh someone has asked about transphobia. Sophia Christina both transphobia in the Labour Party, rampant. I'll be doing my best to talk to trans delegates about the transphobia in the Labour Party, which is ridiculous at the moment. And we have the spectacle of a Labour MP going on national radio last week. Um, um, uh, not just going about trans people, but attacking uh, bisexuals. I just... Uh, um, Tad's Campbell, we thank as ever for your support. Uh, Kevin Morton, can you ask what the electoral system they would prefer rather than just reacting? We support one member, one vote. Everyone's vote should be equal. And instead of having a high threshold for candidates to get on the ballot paper, we obviously want as many candidates, well, more than like a few, you know, a a real choice to offer members, uh, both party members and trade union members. I think that's legitimate. (laughs) Want as many people as involved as possible. uh Craig. thank you to zatrashie beats asked about uh they said a documentary which i'll look up craig burkey the labor party is not a democracy Starmer doesn't care about a labor government he wants to lock the left out of power permanently we need to split well i think a split unfortunately under the electoral system whatever you think about that is very difficult to be honest but i certainly agree that locking out the left is their priority rather than taking on the tories Craig Burke again. The only reason Corbyn was allowed to stand was the Labour right was arrogant and wanted to humiliate the left. They won't make that mistake again. That is why Jeremy Corbyn got on the ballot paper. I remember it very much at the time. Uh, Dalian Haynes. Uh, oh, the red to blue gradient on the conference banner says it all right. Very funny. Joel RN. Uh, we've already, thank you so much, asking about how people organise. Attila Desix. Uh, Corbyn lost two elections, Blair won three, that says everything. I mean, I think the point I would just make very quickly is that era in which you're talking about is a different political era. It's almost, it, you know, it's, it'd be like in 1997 going on about Jim Callahan in 1974, because 1974 is closer to 1997 than 1997 is to now. Uh, we live in a very different world uh, from that period, as I've said, of, finan- of financial bubble driving growth. Uh, we live in a period of profound crisis. And the brand of politics, which Blair is in represented, was at its high point in Europe and the United States in that period and has since gone into stark decline. Um, the world is very, very different. But we'll go into that another time. In the driver's seat, uh, theoretically, could a socialist party, perhaps created by members of the campaign group, ever gain enough support to win a general election? Well, again, we have an electoral system that punishes new parties. So people... You know, because what happens is in a constituency, people think to themselves, I'm not happy with Labour, but I don't want the Tories to win. So then, in a choice, they'll vote Labour to stop that from happening. That's the problem. Um, Craig Burke again putting a grand on a Tory general election victory. Labour's dead. We will never see a Labour general election again. victory again. Well, let's hope that's not true. Uh, Gunnar Station, can Keir become uh, prime minister despite himself? We should go after Tories more than his own party. Even Blair didn't do this. I completely agree with you, but he's showing no interest in putting an inspiring vision to the country. Uh, thanks to Ed Jervis. Thanks to David Thorley. Thanks to Mike Knotts who says, I'm a lovely guy. You're a lovely guy too, Mike. Thank you so much, everybody. As I said, we've got a documentary coming up on Labour. We've got a documentary coming from Tory Conference. We've got a documentary coming up, which we're now making at the moment. We filmed it. We're just editing it on Who Owns Wealth in Britain. On patreon.com forward slash Jones 84 you keep the show on the road with our brilliant team. I'll be uh, doing podcasts on conference, by the way, with your support again, and videos. And uh, I will be, I will, I will speak to you all very soon. Uh, We'll be back live again next. Oh, we'll probably, yeah, live again next Sunday at 12 o'clock. Lots of love, everyone. Take care. Do press like on YouTube, share the video, subscribe, and also subscribe to our podcast. Lots of love. Thanks for our brilliant guests. See you soon. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you found that informative, educational, uh, interesting, and I certainly did. Do support us on Patreon to keep the show on the road, uh, forward slash OrangeJones84. Leave us some stars, that'd be nice. Spread the word. And I look forward to speaking to you soon.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods